Hello, everybody. This is another episode of the SLTD Going Over Big Time podcast. I am, of course, the Cantastic, and once again, I'm being joined by my partner in crime, Mike Charlotte. We just finished, as of this recording, watching uh, Supercard of Honor 2023 uh, from uh, the Tony Khan version of Ring of Honor, uh, taking place in Los Angeles during WrestleMania weekend, and um, very solid pay-per-view. And um, we got a lot of dream matches, I would say, coming out of this uh, with a lot of high expectations. Mike, uh, how are you doing? Uh, how do you feel? We just finished watching the Supercard. Uh, I'm doing all right. And uh, yeah, I would say that it was a very good show from top to bottom. A lot of uh, great matches as expected with some... I wouldn't say questionable, but um, confusing results, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I, I. But either way, I still, I still enjoyed this show, like yeah. completely. And uh, yeah, and it just reminded. I just reminded myself that uh, this is the actually the first supercard of honor under the uh, for Ring of Honor under the ownership of Tony Khan. Because last year's Supercard in 2022, that was already scheduled and it was still while Ring of Honor was under hiatus. But um, at that time, uh, it was announced that Tony Khan had bought Ring of Honor last April around that time. So, uh, you know, it was that Supercard wasn't as influenced by like, you know, uh, Tony's uh, ownership. But this is this one here completely is. The, the stories weren't, but the results were. Yeah, I I, I do like how they kept a uh, a good chunk of the roster that you know people who watch Ring of Honor for years would be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. Uh, the Briscoes were uh, a very uh, central uh, to this uh, show, as it was a dedication to Jay Briscoe, who tragically passed away in uh, January after a car accident. Um, Mark Briscoe, his brother, obviously was featured uh, quite uh, prominently on the show. But um, let's look into uh, the matches. We had four matches during the pre-show, the zero hour. Mm-hmm. And then we had, um, I guess, uh, eight more matches to fill the rest of the card. So let's start with um, Jeff Cobb defeated Tracy Williams by pinfall in a match that lasted around five minutes. Uh, Jeff Cobb's been a pretty busy guy, Mike. Uh, uh, Just last Wednesday, he faced Kenny Omega for the IWGP US title on Dynamite. He had a match against Moose from Impact at the Impact New Japan Multiverse United um, show at WrestleCon. And then, of course, this match with Tracy Williams at Supercard. So, uh, and he also oh, had a and, match and, and yeah, a... Bloodsport. I was, yeah. I was like, Bloodsport Nine, where uh, Cobb defeated. Um, I'm not sure who that guy he was facing was, but uh, I can't. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But yeah, um, yeah, he's had he's had like six matches in the span of three days, which is kind of crazy. So yeah. Um, he, the guy is working. Just had just had uh, twins. Guess he, uh, you know, needs to make that bag. 
my first impression of Cobb is I always remember his time when he was playing Matanza on uh-huh. Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. And for a brief time, he played uh, the same character under somewhat of a different name, under MLW. But then um, yes. when he came out, he basically took his mask off and viewed himself as Jeff Cobb. So they kind of just uh, changed it up a little bit. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Cobb's very solid performer for the uh, United Empire faction in New Japan. Yes. Four, pretty much four matches in a row in a span of three days. Pretty good for him. Uh, yeah, let's hope we see more of him at Ring of Honor, AEW going forward. Yeah, this was a this was a kind of like a paint by numbers match. You, you know, you knew Jeff Cobb was gonna win this. Tracy Williams is is a solid talent who um mainly has, a tag guy, had, mainly a tag team guy, yeah. so yeah, I mean he's yeah. Both of these guys are former uh, TV champs, but right. yes, uh, Will, uh, Williams is best known for teaming with Red Titus, who was not on the show, which was confusing. But um, yeah, I I thought this was a fine match to start off all the action, and immediately after this match, we got the announcement of the surprise commentator. Yes, you're right. Yes, yes. Uh I almost almost I can't believe that almost uh, escaped my nose. Yes, the surprise commentator. And I was thinking to myself, I already know who this is. This is when they, when they started playing the music, I guess the fans um I guess it was new music because if they had played music that was familiar to the crowd, they would have started cheering and knew who it was. Nigel McGuinness, the former uh Ring of Honor Pure Champion, former Ring of Honor longest reigning Ring of Honor Pure Champion, I I guess. Um, former or, yep. former commentator from NXT UK on uh, NXT in general. Um, recently uh, left the WWE. Is now back at Ring of Honor. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's on a permanent basis, but it was good to see a familiar Ring of Honor face doing commentary alongside Rick Abani and Caprice. Um, yeah, so I normally don't like three men, three person booths, uh, but this team as a whole is very solid throughout the night. Um, the chemistry was off the charts, I guess, because they they all have history with each other already. So, uh, yeah, Nigel McGuinness is he he just belongs in Ring of Honor. He is Ring of Honor. He's as you said, longest reigning pure champion, former world champion, had some of the craziest matches in his early years of Ring of Honor, and yeah, it's it was very cool to see him back because his talents were kind of not uh on display as much as they should have been in well, WWE. I, I think since um. Like it was a good combination with him when he was on XT with Moro Ronaldo and to a lesser mm-hmm. extent, um uh I can't remember who the third guy was. Uh anyway, um uh what I think but I think Nigel and Moro had a pretty good chemistry. Per- was it Percy Watson? Percy Watson, yes, that was it. That was the third person. Um yeah, and then um of course Moro had um some issues he had to deal with as so well. He was gone and then I guess during the pandemic, Nigel was stuck in the UK, so it was really unfortunate um, mm-hmm. to, to not to hear his voice for a while. And then I guess they had him doing 205 Live for a bit, or uh, NXT level up, and then uh, I guess mm-hmm. that, and then you know, then renew his contract. But 
uh, anyway, it was yeah. good to see him. Uh, hopefully, uh, it'll be more per- more of a permanent stint uh, going forward. Um, yeah. So let's go through some of the uh, other matches uh, for the pre-show. Um, Kanosuke Tashkesta, he defeated Willie Mack uh, in about a, in a ten in a ten match of uh, about ten minutes. Uh, yeah. Pretty hard hitting. Uh, Kanosuke uh, Takeshi is a big guy. Uh, so is Willie Mack. I thought they were bet, pretty good, pretty bet. very good fit for each other. Best match on the uh, on the buy-in uh, zero hour. I, I always forget the name zero hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, easily the best match on the zero hour. Takesha is amazing. Willie Mack has always been a great talent. Uh, wherever he goes, has great matches with everybody. And yeah, uh, the result again. The result not really in question. Willie Mack is not signed. Takeshita is, so it was pretty obvious who was winning, and Takeshita needs to build up some wins to build to whatever they're doing with him. So, yeah, I feel like this was more like an episode of Dark where you could figure out who was going to win. Oh well, yeah, least, I, yeah, because yeah, the yeah, next so- matches you got you got, I mean the next match you know Willow Nightingale defeated Miranda Alize. Um, apparently yeah. that was uh that was a continuation of a story they did back in Ring of Honor a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um final match on the pre-show, Stu Grayson, the recently returned Stu Grayson, defeated Slim J, accompanied by Ari Davari and Smart Mark Sterling. Uh Stu was accompanied by Evil Uno. Other than a few uh, uh shenanigans here and there, uh yeah. you know, the outcome was uh, not unsurprising. What was surprising was after the match, as uh, Stu and Uno celebrated in their Dark Order fashion, um, weird music start, uh, video started playing, and uh, familiar music, familiar to the Ring of Honor fans, as Vincent the Wild Man and Dutch, formerly, uh, I guess, again of the Righteous, returned to Ring of Honor. Um, minus mm-hmm. Bateman, but nonetheless, uh, yeah. Mike, the last time I saw these two guys, they were sitting in the rafters of uh, NXT 2.0 um, in the audience. <laughs> and now I, yeah. I, I and I did hear that uh, they Vincent was actually not signed with WWE, and neither was Dutch. And apparently, they were still free agents as of as of tonight, I guess. And yeah, I had, they had a little stare down with Dark Order. I was half expecting a third guy to jump Stu and Uno from behind, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, the way the camera angles worked, it was I don't I didn't think that was the case. Uh, they had a little stare down. Yeah. So now that the righteous are back in Ring of Honor, um, they did bring up the uh, Riccaboni was bringing up stuff uh, of the history between Vincent and Taven, which I thought was interesting. Well, yeah, because we I remember a while back we talked about like when Vincent was doing appearances in Impact. Yeah. They were kind of just glossing over the fact that those right. two had a blood feud and they were just on the same team but I, I guess now that that is not canon anymore um and they were back in ring of honor that that is canon again yeah so, I, it's funny uh, uh, a lot of uh tony khan's uh programming whether it's ring of honor AEW, tries very hard not to mention impact wrestling for from some reason i noted that <laughs> when um jeff cobb was wrestling and they mentioned he had faced moose and they didn't even mention what show they just said he faced moose on a new japan show i'm like you know there that, that wasn't just a new japan show right <laughs> so 
it it's very interesting. But yeah, that that was a big uh, I guess a little um yeah, nice surprise um, to see uh, Vincent and Dutch back. So um, yeah, just to just to add to the a little to the previous match, uh, Willow and Miranda Alize was a great match. Also, uh, Miranda Alize is a great talent who was in the finals of the inaugural women's uh, women of honor uh, world championship tournament, losing to Roxy and. Um, Somebody that I I would hope we would see more of, and Willow, of course, getting the win with her signature pounce and sit out power bomb, not surprising at all, like we said. And then yes, this match was what we expected it to be. Stu getting the win, uh, that that great backbreaker that he does as a fin- as a solo finisher. I I don't. It, it it's just he's so good he and I'm happy that he's back with AEW and ROH full time and that we're gonna see more of him and I guess now we're gonna see a Dark Order versus Righteous feud which is really cool. Um, a note that I had from commentary which I thought was very stupid but they continued to bring up was the fact that Slim J's uh tank tops. Normally cost three hundred dollars. Well, the night was six hundred dollars because apparently it was a and, little fancier. And the one that he wore, to, yeah, the one that he wore today was not white; it was black and cost six hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> Just... What I, what I, yeah, what I also <laughs> I, uh, for a while I was like confused about the Slim J guy because he he was just, he just annoyed me like his. I, I I didn't think he looked like he was uh, supposed to be there, but then I looked up his bio, and it seems that he's been wrestling since he was 16 years old, like in mm-hmm. 2001. He's been he's basically an indie guy who's had stints in NWA and Ring of Honor from uh, the original version, and now here again. So uh, yeah, was no slouch in the ring there, but anyway, um, obviously Stu uh, went over. And that concluded the uh, zero hour. Um, I don't know if this was uh, during this time that um, Ian Riccoboni had his first mention that Tony Khan had an important announcement this coming Wednesday on Dynamite yet. Uh, We'll get into that later. The opening match was, I think, probably a dream match for a lot of fans. Uh, It was a singles match for the Triple A Mega Championship. El Mm -hmm. Hio de Vigingo, the champion, was defending against Commander. And uh, yeah, you if you wanted to find a match that is exemplify, I guess uh, I don't know what other term is to describe it, but uh, uh, basically a spot fest. This was an intense lucha libre, lucha libre spot fest of the highest order. Um, these guys basically were almost a perfect match for each other. Like uh, there were times where I was like, I, "How the hell are they doing this?" Or like, "What the hell are they doing?" You know, they're they're doing spots mm-hmm. standing off the ring post. Um, yeah. I guess doing tightrope walks because apparently this is also a part acrobatic performance, which you know. Well, that's a thing. That's a thing that yeah. Commander. I know. Does, I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've seen. He guys does that the all ropes. the time, but yeah, it was. Various uh, people have walked the ropes, you know, like a Grand Metalik. Uh, if you want to count Xavier Woods doing a, a very quick off a walk off the ropes, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not as. Um, well, deep. this was it wasn't this as was good full, as this one. This yeah. was full tightrope across the ring into a spaceman plancha. It was absolutely yeah, that was crazy. crazy. But yeah, Vikingo um, as well. If you've seen, if you've never seen Vikingo, uh, I would highly recommend trying to find the match he did 
this past week, uh, a week or so ago with um, uh, Kenny Omega. That was the dream match uh, on yeah. Dynamite. Uh, that's this guy just moves around in a way that is sort of like physically impossible. I mean, the laws of physics do not seem to apply to this. And uh, currently, as we speak, he is going to be appearing on uh, Joey Janela's Spring ba- Break facing Mike Bailey. So that should be another banger. Um, and he's another one that's been very busy this week, having match ma- matches with on on every show this weekend. And um, yeah, he he's just he's he's in very high demand right now. He's one of the best luchadors in the world. Um, yeah, the thing the things he can do is just absolutely crazy. Every single match he does that reverse dragon Rana thing. Every single match he does. Well, the... the spot that really sticks out to me is the six thirty off out of the ring onto a table. Uh, in this case, uh, however, the table uh, survived the. Uh, yes, the the, ta- <laughs> the the table did not break. It in this just, case, it, it just inclined a little, and. Uh... <laughs> I feel, like, was... I feel like if it was a heavier guy, what uh, he would have gone through it, like with uh, Kenny. But uh, yeah, Commander oh yeah, was, well, uh... like both of these guys combined are like barely three hundred pounds. So right. like, yeah, uh, so yeah, it was a great spot. It it looked great because he did the you know mm-hmm. the six thirty to the outside and and then but, yeah, did, the team... yeah, and then he did like uh, I guess Urinagi off the top rope of some kind, and then. Uh... He yeah, finally hit the six thirty on Commander to score the pinfall. Yes, so yeah, great little exhibition match for uh, fans of a Lucha Libre here. And uh, Commander is going to be on Dynamite this week. Yes, he's going to face off against Sammy Guevara. Um, so yeah, uh, this was a great way to uh, get the crowd going as a as a starter match. Uh, yeah, th- and then and then this will lead us into the next title match for the Ring of Honor. Uh, six-man tag team titles as the Embassy, Brian Cage, uh, Toa, Leona, and Khan of uh, the who formed the Gates of Agony, uh, accompanied by Prince Nana, they uh, faced off against the team of A.R. Fox, Blake Christian, and I just mentioned him before, Grand Metalik. Um, yeah, I was actually expecting a title change based on some, yeah, based on some recent news that Brian Cage is not signed and. He might be a prospect for uh, other companies in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. But um, what I was really distracted by was the thing on Brian, the side of Brian's head. At first, I thought, um, um was I he, believe he, was, he, he I was, thought he had, at first, I thought he had kinesio tape on his skull. And I'm like, that's I, not I where believe, you put <laughs> I believe he was doing a Mortis tribute. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, People might not know uh, Brian Cage actually uh, uh, calls a uh, Chris Canyon, who once played Mortis, one of his uh, wrestling mentors, and that's a good. That's a good. That was a good. Uh, that was a good spot there because I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's some kind of like paint. It's just I yeah was wondering why it was on his side of his head. <laughs> I was trying to figure out yeah what it um, was, but um. So this match was a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Like as I as again as we expected, all these people in this match are amazing. Um, the thing that was, I, I mean, it was kind of odd that in one tape, in one set of tapings, because Ring of Honor. So the build up to this show was the first set of tapings, which was four straight weeks of television, 
And in that four straight weeks of television, we built up this random ass team of AR Fox, Metalik, and Blake Christian. None of these people belong together. They're they're all amazing, but them as a team is just odd. And then the news that Brian Cage is currently working without a contract is immediately like, okay, well, are they going to lose this match? But at the same time, you look at it on paper, it's like, why would this be the team to beat them? You know? You would make more sense if it was... This is not a team. Yeah, it would make more sense. (laughs) It it would make more sense if it was AR Fox and Top Flight because they've actually teamed together. Yeah. And they have a very common bond. They're up. They all they each have a hundred thousand dollars from uh, a, a a casino. I guess a match where they want the winner got yes. three hundred thousand dollars in the suitcase. So <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised yes. they didn't play off um, more on that. But it was just like so. Yes, it, it is very odd that this is just a random trio that was put together. Um, it would be wrong not to criticize it because we do it on the other show of just random singles people getting put together for no reason. That's kind of what this right. felt and like I think, from and I the think, beginning. And I think that's the challenge with um, uh, six-man tags. Championships. There's no reason to have two of them. You have uh-huh. one on your other show. Right. So keep that one and just put it on both shows. It, it's it's ridiculous you, you, to yeah, have two sets yeah. of trios this, yeah. championships. It's like a, it's a bit of a broken record here because you've said this point many times. Um, I think it's really just the principle of like these are two separate companies and they want to try to promote more six man tag six man tag matches and I, I guess each they want well, to try to keep it separate and just do it their own way. And I don't know. And they're going to have more actual trios in ROH. That's yeah. the problem. It, it, it's like you got to either you got either in AEW have more trios in ROH or or you got to have more sorry, you got to have more trios in AEW or there should be more inter inter crossovers from either brands. Let's just call them brands because they're both owned by the mm-hmm. same guy. Or like yes. in ROH you open it up a little more to uh, other people uh, challenging for uh, ROH Six man tag team titles, whether they come from New Japan or Impact or NWA mm-hmm. or any other indie promotion out there. So, well, if um, they, well, that, that also is like, well, obviously we've had plenty of, of New Japan crossover in ROH. So, why not bring over like a Bullet Club trio or a Chaos trio or a House of Torture trio? Whatever. I mean, I mean this uh, this this pay per view did do some of that, judging from people like Ozzy Open and Jeff Cobb and Shibata. Of being course, there, right? So, yeah, and now we're gonna be like full on the uh, road to uh, Forbidden Door, basically. Door, yeah. yeah. So, um, I, again, great match. Just felt weird that this was the trio that was challenging on this show, and this is not a trio. This is just three singles guys that needed something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
would have been very fascinating if they actually went over and won these titles. Because now you then get three random guys that don't really fit together. But then, like, who were the next challengers, right? So, um, exactly. So, so probably, so probably, so probably, oh, yeah, go back to Dalton and the boys. So, uh, yeah, actually, probably was a blessing in disguise that the embassy retained because they are the only solid trios team uh, on Ring of Honor at this point. Um, next match, yes. yeah, next match I want to move to is uh, for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Uh, Athena, uh, defending against uh, Yuka Sakazaki. I guess some of this stem, some of this feud kind of played out on, I guess, dark or dark elevation because I'm trying to remember where, uh, when did these people start feuding? Yes. Although, of course, with Athena's her, her new attitude is like she probably just beat up anybody at this point, right? So, uh, well, this is the the Athena that we have been waiting for. This is the star performance that Athena has needed to break out. This is the Athena that is a star. This Athena is a star. And yes, the the feud itself stemmed from them having previous matches. And, um... Athena going on ROH television and basically calling Yuka Sakazaki out mm-hmm. and saying that she was dodging her when she wasn't. She was just in Japan. Yeah, uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's confusing. Um, but that's just that's just how you can play that off. It's like, oh, she's not here because she's in Japan. Uh, so yeah, I, I like the. I like that this is where they went with the with all of that, and even before, like Athena's been defending the title on every show, and she's been beating everybody. Um, she had the great match with Emi Sakura on this week's episode of ROH TV, which aired at a really odd time because I didn't even know when it was on. I watched it later. Um. That's why I. That's why I messaged you asking, "Is this starting at nine PM tonight?" Because I, I was. I, I didn't even was, know. I, okay. I didn't yeah, even know. Yeah, Thursday was an odd night for wrestling. You had the, uh, you had Impact, with quote unquote taping live, which was basically half a clip show, because, uh, but mainly a clip show because they had a yes, basically Josh Alexander's last title defense before his uh, tricep surgery, and uh, mm-hmm. then you go you either go straight into Multiverse United, which was taking place at like like dead late 11, at night, yeah. eleven p.m. Yeah, Eastern, because it was tape uh, going live on the West Coast. Um, yes. but yeah, this uh, this really this was. was- Great yeah, this, this is the sort of Athena that I think Amber Moon was only shown a, a bit of, like on NXT. She we only got a glimpse of what she could have been um, before mm-hmm. uh, WWE creative sort of just kind of mismanaged that. I love the ending of this match because I thought Athena was going to use her more common finisher she was using recently to end this off, but she used the Eclipse while Yuka was hanging off the top rope, and Athena went off and it off the uh, leap then hit the eclipse off the top row i don't know what she calls it now but she got the pins i also neglected to mention that athena did do a sort of a special entrance uh she had a 
she had a little porcelain doll, which I guess was supposed to represent Yuka, and she basically just stomped on it. Stomped, yes. the, basically decapitated the doll, and then she just laughs mani- maniacally as she walks to the ring. Yes. Oh, so, yes. But, um, yeah, her, her presentation is off the charts. Her character is off the charts right now. Her entering work gets better and better with every match. This this is the best Athena, and she killed it again. They they had an amazing match, and uh, Yuka Zakazaki we've seen for years since the beginning of AEW. She's a great wrestler, um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't her uh, her night to beat Athena. We don't know who that's going to be, um, but there was a report that a certain former WWE yes. performer it yep. was backstage at the show yes uh we may know her as Naomi from WWE her real name of course uh, Trinity Fatu uh she is mm-hmm. married married into the infant famous Anawaii family so yes Trinity uh formerly known as Naomi uh was backstage at uh, Supercard um she had it was recently announced that she had opted not to renew her contract she's no longer with WWE, so yeah, she is just a friend, I guess, hanging out in the back, probably visiting uh some of her uh, peers and uh, who knows what's to Tony Khan, speaking to Tony and uh, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, the other thing I noticed was that the uh, Women's World Championship did not get a do over. Uh, they're still using the title that uh has is currently existing. Did did not get a new version of it? That yeah, um, yeah, did. So we did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, oh, it's no. different. They they changed it. They changed it during the like. I I guess you didn't see this week's episode of ROH TV. So. Oh, really? Okay. She, she just she just came out with it. Well, um, I didn't see yeah. it. I didn't see it when she came out for the pay per view. So I yeah, I it's missed. it's different. I think the only belt that didn't get a do over was a TV was... title. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm every sorry other, about every that. Other, every other belt is different. Now, okay, my apologies if I've missed that. So, uh, yeah, anyway, let's move on to the next match, which was, I believe, the uh, Samoa Joe facing Mark Briscoe for the ROH World Television Championship. Um, the story kind of built itself. Um, you know, uh, Mark is now uh, soldiering on himself uh it's been said it's been reported that uh he has told tony that he no longer wants to do straight up tag team wrestling because trying to find someone to replace his brother would probably be impossible he's still open to doing he's still open to doing like trios matches and that sort of thing but i think his focus is now on a singles wrestler as a singles wrestler Mm -hmm. and of course one way to cement that is to try to get a win over the guy you haven't been able to beat as in singles competition for 20 years, I guess, uh, Samoa Joe. Um, they faced each other way back when, and uh, Samoa Joe got the best of them. And uh, this is very, I guess this is very emotional as uh, Joe, you know, they, he, he pretty much, you know, was very respectful and, admired the briscoe brothers but you know this is samoa joe he's gonna whoop your ass if you're across Mm -hmm. the ring from him so we got a whole like display of like just um you know this kind of journey mark is gonna go on you know his family was at ringside 
Uh, he's still carrying the old uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship, which I believe is now the old version of the tag belts has now been basically given to the Briscoe family as a final tribute uh, to them. Yes. Uh, this was uh, pretty hard hitting. I mean, they started slapping each other in the beginning, I think. I mean, they were slapping each other throughout the whole thing, but mm-hmm. um, I think Mark held his own as best he could. Uh, um, but yeah, there were a lot of uh, pretty, um, yeah. pretty hard spot hitting spots there, um, in this thing. So, yeah, what did you think of the match? So I I thought it was a very fun match. I love the um, I love the spot where um. Mark instinctively goes to the corner oh, and like wants yeah. to make it, wants to wants to wants to make a tag, but he, he of course knows that his brother is not there. But then, yeah. like, builds into like this fire within him that like his brother is there. He knows like his brother is watching, and it was a great it was a great spot. And like having his family, who you could clearly hear throughout the match <laughs> right um which 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 added to the match um i think but uh so the story would dictate that the whole build was that mark needed to get this quote this proverbial monkey off of his back that he's never been able to defeat samoa joe in the years that they faced each other in ring of honor but I didn't really I didn't expect him to win this match because I think that they are going to slowly build Mark up as a single star to build to that happening at like a final battle or something. Um, yeah. Um, I, I at first when I when this match was announced and then they announced the story, I was like. Yeah, this seems more. It would see, make more. It would make sense because like Joe's been champion for almost a year. Um, he pretty much won the TV title right after the last SuperCard of Honor, so yeah. he has been champion the entire year. But and I can understand the emotional high uh, people would feel that you know Mark getting that big singles win and that and finally getting that singles title to kind of like stand out on his own because his brother had managed to accomplish that. Jay's a former world champion. But um I guess as the match progressed it was like not as evident. And yeah. so that that's the thing that happens, I think. I mean there was most... good spots like like there was that table spot where they did outside and uh yes. which I think Mark hurt himself more than he hurt Joe. So <laughs> Oh, I mean, which is normal. That's, um, no, yeah, that's normal for him. Um, but yeah, I I think that it's it's clear in like most Samoa Joe matches. The longer it goes on, he's got the advantage, right? Um, just because of how resilient he is and how much damage he can take with the you know frame that he has, and um, yeah, I I feel like the story within the match was told very well that like he basically just got overwhelmed and Samoa Joe took advantage and um choked him out, which is what Samoa Joe does. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first attempt, uh, Mark managed to break out of the, the clutch. Um, 
But yeah, the second time he didn't tap out, he just passed out. Yeah. And I think that that's a great spot for that kind of story built within the match to say like, okay, he didn't, he didn't tap out. He passed out, which is Hmm. that, which proves that he, uh, fought until he couldn't anymore. Um, and then after the match, Samoa Joe, who has not been keen on respect in general lately, took the time to let Mark get back to his feet and actually shake his hand and give him props for the performance. And yeah, I I really, really enjoyed this match. Uh, it's one of my favorite matches of the show. Um, and I think that Mark's time will come. Yeah, and this will it's, not be a lot. Yeah, and this yeah. will not be the last time we see Mark uh, throughout the night. Um, the next match is, uh, I guess, another one of those dream matches. I guess um, we've got we had a few dream matches already, like here the Fikingo Commander, and uh, um, there will be another one that I'm going to mention. But uh, yes, Daniel Garcia faces the legend, the eight-time IWGP World Champion Hiroshi Tanahashi. So when I saw that, I was like. Wow, mm-hmm. they're just they're just opening the floodgates at this point. Uh, Tanahashi yes. obviously had um, he's been probably been fulfilling a lot of dreams lately. Uh, and I, uh, he faced Mike Bailey uh, just the night before in the Multiverse uh, United. Uh, in Lost some teeth. I saw that. I thought I was like, <laughs> did he lose that in the match, or did he just bite into a really hard apple? Because I'm gonna say it's an apple. I think he lost those in the Bailey match. Okay, because I saw a picture of him like next to a picture of his teeth next to uh, an app, uh, like a bit, like a chewed up apple with a bite mm. in it. And I was confused. I was like, wait, you're telling me Tanahashi lost his teeth? And I'm like, wait, his teeth can be removed or like, or, or they're like just, uh, I was like, man, uh, I was, that was really yeah, confused. Yeah, either, either the, the cause was the Bailey match and the apple was the final. Straw, oh, maybe or or, or I mean, that's a good them. that's a good explanation. But yeah, Tanahashi's uh, minus teeth uh, faces Daniel Garcia. Um, yes. Well, basically, they had a a segment where Garcia called out Tanahashi. I think. Or he, mm-hmm. um, and this is like the I liked how the commentators mentioned this is sort of a stem from the uh, old Chris Jericho rivalry uh, as uh, Jericho and Tanahashi faced off. When uh, Jericho did his uh, tour of New Japan a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, this match was, you know, it was all right. It wasn't that long. Uh, you know, you know, I think uh, they showed a lot of spots where Garcia basically, um, had had Tanahashi down. Uh, I don't, I don't watch enough Tanahashi matches to like know what his style is. I know like he does like he kind of comes off as like a. It almost comes off like a uh, 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 like a Japanese version of Ultimate Warrior, but with like talent. Well, so. he's he's got like a hybrid style. Because yeah, yeah. He's, very, he's a big he's, dude. He's a big yes. dude. Like he's, he's he can fly, and he and I think he can do like yeah. power moves too. So, so he he's he's known for like, especially like, and it was it was most evident in this match. He's known to work the leg a lot, right? But he doesn't really do a submission. Um, 
he does that clo- that that clover leaf. Yeah, sometimes, he, he did he that clover leaf, like, and then he he held it like you would do a walls of Jericho. So I was yeah, like, um, and that was that ended up being the story of the match where Daniel Garcia, who is saying he's a sports entertainer, but he came off more like a wrestler in this match because he worked the leg the entire <laughs> match, and um. Tanahashi answered it by working the leg right back. And um again, uh Tanahashi does what he does best in uh staying in the match and being the most resilient of all New Japan and um hitting the high fly flow and securing the victory because nobody kicks out of that. Um this was a fun match. Uh it was a match that I think Daniel Garcia wanted in general, not just for the, the whole Jericho thing, but just for for him to face somebody like Tanahashi is, and to have a, a good match like this is uh, more proof of how good Daniel Garcia is. And um, yeah, even if this was one of those cases where you look good even when you lose, and he definitely did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed the code of honor was not abide by at the end of the match. Um, I don't even know if they no. did it at the beginning. Um, that's um, obviously that's Daniel's attitude, which is not surprising. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but anyway, yeah. It was a it was a, it was a good match overall. I I thought you know it was pretty solid. Uh, it only goes to build up uh, Daniel's uh cred in uh, as a as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're down to the last uh three title matches of the evening. So uh well the next one is just the craziest. So that's for the ring vacant <laughs> ring of honor world tag team titles. The uh we got new shiny belts hanging yeah. above the ring, and is is for in is the reach for the sky ladder match, uh aptly named for um the Briscoe's uh opening entrance music. And this is features five teams, so we've got ten guys in there, and this is just and you is just chaotic. Um the Lucha Brothers, Top Flight, The Kingdom, Taven and Bennett, Ozzy Open and La Faction and Governable with Rush and Dralistico uh facing each other for the fake ta- tag team titles. Um I don't even know where to begin. Uh officially this was only 20 minutes long, but this was probably the longest 20 minutes uh that I felt in my life one of them yeah it was it was all over the place like immediately they they there was so much going on in this match that it was like almost impossible to follow it all um they they were they spent a lot of time on the outside there was ladders flying everywhere um but let, let's start let's start with the one thing i noticed you mentioned you you mentioned that uh i think it was aussie open and the kingdom fought up to the ramp and then uh, the kingdom actually tried to do the J Triller, I think, on on yes on Australians as a tribute to Jay Briscoe. They were actually doing more of the Jay Briscoe tribute than anyone else in the in the yes. match. They wore the uh, black armbands with the, with uh, Jay's nickname Captain on it, and um, mm-hmm. so they uh, they tried to do the J Driller, which was Jay's finisher, and then they got reversed into pile drivers. Uh, one of uh, I guess uh, Mark Davis put uh, probably. Taven in the tombstone, and then no, it was uh, 
Fletcher did the tombstone. Davis did the sit-out. But the main point is, somehow that caused yeah. both men to start bleeding profusely. <laughs> Be- uh, Bennett was yes. the one I noticed that was bleeding first, and then later it was Taven. So, um, yes. that was a bit of a that was a bit of a yes. plot. It was then, blood uh, by blood by pile driver. Yes, blood by pile driver. Um, oh my god, I, I'm I'm just trying to remember all the crazy spots that were done. And uh, yeah, so we had a lot of a lot of ladders like draped over barricades and draped over top ropes, and right. people getting slammed onto ladders, people getting dove on from the ladders. Um. At one point, they they like ran into the announce table. Yeah, and, and I I always I cringe. Took... I always cringe at the at the spot where you like splash someone who's draped on a ladder because it's like it's oh, one thing yeah. to do that on a table. Like this is a at least some one of a yeah, metal they, ladder. Right? They Ugh. they they tried to do their best Jeff Hardy impression and try to bend try to bend a ladder, but that didn't go as planned. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. uh it it bent a little. It didn't bend completely. Um but yeah, just a lot of fighting on top of ladders and a lot of great uh a spot that I liked from um you had uh Aussie Open was sandwiched between a ladder. You had Mark Davis on the bottom, a ladder and then Kyle Fletcher on top of the ladder. And the Lucha Bros did their double team um Cazadora into a splash on top of that pile. That that looked like it hurt. Um you had a uh, top flight in the corner, one sitting down and one in the tree of woe, with a ladder in front of them, and um Roosh hitting his finisher in that spot. That looked like it hurt a lot. But the spot that hurt the most and caused a lot of concern was so at some point during the match four tables four, four, four tables, tables four <laughs> tables were right. set up. And you know somebody's going to go through that at some point in time. Yes, so four tables, two stacked, two stacks of two. And then you got a ladder draped across a ladder and the top rope. And you got Dante and Penta just going at it on this ladder bridge that is over the top rope facing these tables. And um, Penta does what he does, which is hit a destroyer out of anywhere. Uh, the problem is, is that when this happened, only two of the tables broke, and Dante landed directly on his foot, which went the opposite direction. Yeah, I'm rewatching it now, and I Dante's immediate reaction was that like his left foot is fucked, and there's like three referees on him. Yeah, and yeah, only like, and right before it cuts back to the ring, you can see his foot. Yeah, facing the wrong way. Okay, I'm looking at it again just to make sure. And but the way you described it was like, oh, ew, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that moment? You know those moments when the leg look like it's made of rubber or something? It's like sorry. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> man, yeah. So it's so no- like 
these these Martin brothers, they're like the worst. They have the worst luck. They, they, yeah, they have the worst luck. I mean, Darius, unfortunately, he, you know, got hurt. Yeah. For, was out for a really long time. Came back and then got into a car accident, and then was out again. <laughs> and then was out again. Yeah, and then that and... left his brother to compete as a single side, which he did admirably, by the way. Yeah. And now, unfortunately, this with Dante, he's going to be out for a very long time, most likely. Um, well, let's hope that he's yes. not his injuries weren't were not as bad as they looked, and let's hope he gets a speedy yes. Uh, hopefully, he yeah. he makes a full recovery, a speedy recovery. But yeah, other than that blemish, which is going to be eaten alive by WWE drones, um. Which is unfortunate, but um, this was a fun match that at times was hard to follow, but camera did their job. Yeah, and, and it was all us. over the place, but it was fun, and uh, the winners ended up being the Lucha Brothers, which surprised me. Um, surprised me too. I was at when I saw Phoenix, like he was at that point where. This looks like the closer, and he's like, "Oh, he got it down." I'm like, "Oh, it's done." Oh, because um, you, you, you. I mean, we were because you, you wanted. I think you told me offline, but you would have liked top flight, but you kind of expected LFI, and I didn't really have. Yeah. A, I I was think, thinking LFI at some point, but I was thinking even the Kingdom guys because of that sort yeah. of connection. But still, yeah, and I forgot to mention that uh, the Kingdom did that. Uh... Did that doomsday suicide dive spot, which I love. Yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, it was a thing that the the Briscoes did to them, I think. Well, I think they it? did it. They did they to the did Briscoes. It. Yeah, yeah, they right. did the first time they ever did that was to the Briscoes. Right. Um. But yeah, I love that spot. Um. But yeah, uh, the Lucha Bros are your winners, and they've been saying that Mark is technically a trio with these two. Even though mm. I would prefer if Mark was a trio with the other team that was right. there. So at this point, Mark comes out. He hold, he's holding both the original Ring of Honor tag titles to, I guess, congratulate the winners. And uh, he kind of steps off to the side, points to the other side of the entrance, and out comes uh, FTR, Cash and Dax. Uh, the yes. Probably the, the, final, the, te- the final team that faced off against the Briscoes. Um, yes. In a very heartwarming, um, I guess, celebration uh, together, mm-hmm. you know, um, just because, the, you know, um, it was the Briscoes and FTR who faced off in last year's Supercard that led to just sort of trilogy that ended in final battle. Yes. So um, you re- we, we really have sort of moved on to a new phase of the tag division at this point because the past year... The Ring of Honor tag division was really dominated by FTR and 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 the Briscoes, right? So yeah. Um. So even before even before Dante's injury, I thought that this would have been a good spot in general to establish Top Flight as a team that is, uh, you know, a team that that can be champions and be the top of the division on ROH because there it's not going to happen in AEW right now. It's not going to happen in AEW for a while. I mean, again, 
now it, now it's not going to happen because of Dante's injury. But I thought that ROH would be the spot for them to do that. Um, but yeah, the Lucha Bros winning is fine. It's just I just didn't expect them to win. Um, I I guess I don't really know who I expected to win at this point because any of these teams could have won. Um, but I guess having that somewhat connection to Mark and uh, being being the Lucha Brothers who are who are great. Everybody in this match was great. Everybody in this match is great. And uh, I hope that this uh, stems off into something, something else. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Who... And uh, the Lucha Brothers now have the distinction, I believe, of having held the AEW, Ring of Honor, and AAA tag team titles. Um, mm-hmm. Though not at the same time, but still a very high level of accomplishment. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Um, I wonder if the kingdom is gonna is gonna be next for the the Lucha Bros. I think that, that would be a more of a natural progression now because they were feuding with Top yeah. One, but now that's off the table. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, next match is for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. Uh, Wheel of Yuta, the champion, uh, decided to call out Katsuyori Shibata. The head mm-hmm. of the LA Dojo and uh, probably one of the hardest strikers in uh, in uh, Japanese wrestling. Period. Or you mm-hmm. know, the guy for guy. If you got a guy whose nickname is the wrestler, then you know, yes. <laughs> very serious. So uh, yeah, this match obviously conducted under pure rules. Um, free rope breaks. Uh, no close fist punches. Uh, the second one, you get disqualified and you can lose the title. And. Um, yeah, so you're still allowed to punch the body except low blows. Uh, so mm-hmm. we saw Wheeler kind of uh, exploit a bit of this now that he's sort of uh, now that he is a heel, now that the entire Blackpool Complex Club is really living up to its name as being a bunch of uh, savages. And uh, basically, oh, I, lo- I love it. I love it. I, love I it. found myself during Wednesday when Brian Danielson made his return. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. this is not, he's not saving Kenny. <laughs> he's not. I'm just waiting. He, of course not. I was like, this is not where this is going. I was like, I was waiting for that opening. And I saw it when Kenny tried to jump Yuta. And I saw, okay, he's going for the knee. Boom. And I was like, yes, finally. And then, like, you just have yep. Ryan yes. lock in the yeah. lock as the three other bugs and start beating yes. the shit up anyway. I love, all right, so just to add, this to to this discussion but i love that when he puts the grip on the nose it makes it look more like looks more like a gruesome submission like he's like cutting off the airways Mm. and just trying to smother his opponent i love that um but yeah so i'm curious what's next for the group i love it but uh this match Yes. Uh interestingly this, enough, uh this... yeah, Wheeler came out with John Moxley. I think this is the first time I've seen John Moxley on a Ring of Honor setting of any kind. Um mm-hmm. Moxley came out, he didn't stay for the match that because uh I think under Ring of Honor system, you don't really have like you you rarely do you have like outside well, interviews. Pure so, pure rule I think well, pure, pure rules, rules uh, pure does, rules also does, 
Yeah. Doesn't allow management at the Oh, I see. But okay. Yeah. But anyway, um, Boxy was there for a bit and um so So I absolutely love this match. It was your classic teacher versus student story. Um, It was, again, another dream match for the youngster in the match. Um, I love the spots where Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, I loved it when he was trying to chop uh, Shibata and he just just stood there like nothing happened. Yes. So so the, the build to this match... In the again, into in the four weeks of television that was taped for Ring of Honor, the build to this match was Wheeler Yuta was defending the title on every show, and he was basically outclassing everybody he was facing mm-hmm. and forcing them to use their rope breaks and forcing them to get de- to get to get desperate against him. And in this match, that was turned on him. Because in this match, he was facing his mentor. He was facing the man that helped train him. Um, And that was the story of this match. And that's why I absolutely love this match. Uh, Shibata is, as you said, he is the wrestler. He is... Without a doubt, one of the greatest wrestlers, pure wrestlers ever. And it's never lost on me that we are lucky enough to have him back as a wrestler. It's also never lost on me that he's lucky to be alive after everything that he's been through. Um... After what he went through, I never thought we would see him in a ring again. And of course, he had that he had that exhibition with Kenta, and then the Orange Cassidy match, and now this match, and now he's a champion because he won. Yeah, and... um, I I I had a sense that there was going to be a title change because uh, Wheeler had been doing. This kind of stuff, like of uh, kind of bending the rules a bit, and, and well, yeah, just, yeah, as I like beating the... down and beating down basically every uh, a whole bunch of guys from the LA dojo, Clark yes. Connors, for example. So now, okay, if you're beating all the students, probably it's time to face the master. So yes, and, and uh, he, I was yeah, like, that was the, that and was I was like, story. and I was thinking to myself, as good as Wheeler is, if you want to have you go over on a guy, to uh, to have a guy, you have you him go over on someone like a. Shibata, I was like, this seems very. Um, oh yeah, I was like, no, That's this a was a stretch. But this was, like, was his uh, foot in the mouth situation. He called out. Shibata yeah, he's the one who called out. And Shibata. he's the one who called out Shibata, expecting it to go the same way that it has gone with everybody else that he has faced, because of how young he is and how inexperienced, quote unquote. He is. Willie Yuta is great at the way he the way he tells the story in the ring is great. And I loved that this was a full circle situation. He was the like like we mentioned, he was doing what he was doing to everybody that he was facing and tried to do it against 
tried to do it to the master and he failed yep. because that that man is that man is amazing the yeah. it, katsuyori shibata is just one of the best I it that's almost looked like it was I've ever seen. I don't know if it was just his demeanor, but it almost looked like it wasn't even an effort. Like this, like it looked like um this was almost a walk in the park. Like Wheeler Wheeler ended up using two rope breaks. The first one was for the uh, figure four, which he couldn't break. The second was yes. a very quick uh, rope break, which uh, I didn't even see it until the until they basically took it off the board, and I realized in the replay, yes. that, yeah, he did do a rope break. Uh, I mean, he had to resort to like distracting the referee and then doing a low blow followed mm-hmm. by a closed fist punch which i guess i was like tactically speaking like how smart was that you no know, i mean the low blow you already you got you could have lost the match there but then you just do it yes. right in front of the referee so you got your first warning now what was mm-hmm. the point of that I mean, and i think it speaks to yeah. how like he was flustered you know that's where um, the desperation kicked in right and then and that was over when uh, Shibata put him to sleep, followed by mm-hmm. the Pele kick, and there was it. There's your pinfall. Shibata, uh, yeah. yeah, so Shibata's your new pure championship, and I guess this is uh, going to be a more of a long-term thing now. He's going to be coming back, and uh, hopefully we'll see uh, some more stuff leading to Forbidden Door, perhaps. Um, well, yes, and as we get into the main event, we'll have we'll have more to say about him. Yeah. So we finally get to our main event of the evening. Uh, this is a match that was billed as 15 years in the making. Claudio mm-hmm. Castanoli, the Ring of Honor champion. Um, all now, Also, I just want to mention, yeah, pure title and the Ring of Honor World Championship got redesigned. Uh, they, both, mm-hmm. they, they both basically look the same, except um, the pure title yeah. had, the, had its own distinct logo, but nevertheless, it's mm-hmm. a very similar design. Um, Claudio actually debuted the belt um, on the last taping of Ring of Honor. Um, but yes. uh, they also did a. I watched the video package of their um, shared history between him and Eddie Kingston. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I can understand it. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, so for those that don't know, this is a story that goes all the way back to 2009. Um, Kingston and uh Kingston and Casanoli have been friends and enemies for that long. So they started off as friends. And then uh Claudio joined this group, which the name is escaping me at the moment, but joined this group and Kingston went on this uh went on this rage of like Oh, I can't I can't trust anybody anymore because my friend turned on me and all their matches ended up being about wanting to respect uh get the respect of their opponent. And Claudia won when they faced in late 2009 and Eddie didn't give him the respect that he was owed. Um and then they met again. The following year, they did not wrestle again for in singles again for another year. And Claudio won again. And the food the feud never reached its conclusion because 
right around the time that they were setting up another match where it probably would have ended, Claudio went to WWE. So Eddie held on to that for all this time. And um, when Claudio first showed up in AEW, of course, for the whole Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society feud, plus Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful, um, Eddie Kingston didn't forget. He still rem- remembered all of that from way back when in 2010 and um, because of the respect that he has for Moxley he put it aside and since Moxley wasn't in ROH when he came to ROH he immediately targeted Claudio and said that he wanted the title and he wanted to end this so now we have this match yeah, and I like how they try to make it their make it their own thing because Kingston brings up like you know I promised Moxley I wouldn't touch you in AEW but he can't protect you here, <laughs> and yes. it's like yeah I I like how they played off on that a bit but uh, you know they realize probably at this point if Moxley does like intervene probably um, side with Claudio and just beat up Kingston. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, matches started. This match started pretty hard hitting. Uh, I think I think Claudio looked a little bit surprised at the aggression that uh, Eddie was pouring on because he was doing his machine gun chops like immediately, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think at one point like Eddie like hit Claudio so hard, he hit, Claudio ended up falling down on the splits, and it was like I think yeah. they, at that point they kind of start working the knee or, or selling. He start Claudio starts selling a knee pain injury. Um. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, this there was match, a lot of hard, hard hitting, in this hard match. slapping, uh, as expected. Um, yes. Um, spot of the match that I really liked was the gut wrench suplex off of the apron. Yeah. Um, Eddie sold the hell out of that. Um, Claudia once again showing his power, probably. Probably the strongest person in all of wrestling. Like he, he it's unbelievable how strong he is. Um and uh yeah, the, the point where he went for the swing. His knee Eddie, gave out his knee gave out a bit. So he Yes, because because Ed, yeah. Eddie like Eddie like punched his knee while he was swinging him <laughs> and uh Turn that around. We've come a long way to that becoming a submission hold to uh basically uh... yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was this was just so so much fun from start to finish. I think. Um. Yeah. At one point, Cesaro tried to do another kind of swing. He tried. He had uh, Eddie in a sleeper, and then he tried to swing him around a bit, but that wasn't uh, working. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I think at one point they, it was like Eddie was down. Eddie had his one of his hands on Paul Turner, the referee, or like just grabbing mm-hmm. the referee's leg. He's trying to pull himself up. I mean, 
previously Claudio had kicked out the Urican backfist. So mm-hmm. and then I think Claudio yeah, so hit he... Claudio was using the European uppercut as a finisher. Yes. So he hit that and then Eddie somehow kicked out. Yeah, a lot of a lot of close yeah. near and falls. then and then Claudio went for a move I hadn't seen in a while, the neuralite the neutralizer. Mm-hmm. Hits the neutralizer he, and he kicks out at one. And he kicks out at one. Yeah. And at he's that been point, doing I, it. He, yeah. He's been doing it more frequently. Yeah. But not but I don't recall if it was being used as a finisher lately. But anyway, Eddie kicks yeah. out at one. And at that and at, at that point, I could, the crowd was hot. Like the yes. audience was like so bought in and I've thought, okay, I think it's over. Um and then it was like uh, Eddie almost tried to get the Rey Mysterio type roll up, and then gets reversed by Claudio, and then suddenly it was over. The pin, uh, Claudio got the pin on this mm-hmm. stupid little roll up, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I guess uh, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, this ain't over yet. Um, well, yeah. So uh, before we get into the post match, yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm sorry. I was, I was just rambling, and I forgot if you, there was any additional some moments you wanted to bring up because I, I it's just sort of like don't remember. Well, it just um, I I was thinking about like this was kind of like a weird finish, but then I thought I I thought about it a little more, and I was thinking about how they were trading pinfalls towards the end, and Eddie kind of just got surprised by this one and lost. And obviously you could see on his face that he was in shock after the match because he didn't think that that was it. But um, so they're going to build off of that. And Eddie's going to say like, oh, you didn't definitively beat me. You got lucky this time. You got lucky again. And you still don't have my respect because you didn't finish me. Kind of thing. Because this isn't a one match feud. You don't just do this. So, yes, I wanted Eddie, selfishly, I wanted Eddie to win. But I know that they're going to continue to build on this and continue to have Eddie just calling him out and saying that you're a coward and that you didn't earn that victory. Because on paper, when you look at it, he didn't. He got he he just caught him with a with a quick roll up because right. everything because everything that he threw at him didn't work. Would have probably would have uh, respected him more if he like choked him out or like pinned him. But exactly. So now we're yeah. probably gonna see something at either. I don't know if they'll go with the final battle. That's a long ways away. I mean, no, that's that's too that's too yeah, far. They'll probably would... do it at uh, what do you call death before dishonor at this point. Yeah, either that or on Forbidden Door. Mm. But um, yeah, um, so yeah, go ahead. After this, after this match, um, of course Eddie is still in shock, and Wheeler Yuta comes out. John Moxley does not, just Wheeler Yuta, and it looked like they were going to like, it looked like Claudio was like, obnoxiously extending his hand. Kind of like uh, he's like, come on, I won. Shake my hand. And of course, Eddie's not going to. And then Wheeler Yuta leaves the ring. 
goes back on the apron as Eddie is cornered in the yeah, bottom right. And, and I like how Eddie kind of already knew what might be happening, so he was defending himself or he had his yeah. up. Yeah, and and then the familiar music of Katsuyori Shibata plays. Yep. And he comes to the ring very stoically, very like I'm sick of this shit kind of look on his face. Uh and he just uh lines up with with Eddie. Yep. And we get a little Claudio stare down between uh Audio um... and Wheeler start to back up and we just get trading like arm raises of the Kaido arm raises. Um, you know. Yeah. You know, we'll um, probably, uh, probably get a yeah. tag match of, of this at some point, but uh so I'm sure yes, at some point we're gonna get like a Claudio versus uh Shibata match, which will be amazing. And we're gonna get a Kingston and a Yuta match, and we'll get a tag match, and then John Moxley will make an appearance and finally uh I wouldn't I won't say turn on, but he will make it known that he is Blackpool Combat Club and not Eddie Kingston's friend anymore. Right. Or just yeah. that this is Blackpool Combat Club business and you got in the way. We're still friends, but I'm gonna kick the shit out of you. Kind Which of. is an interesting take on things. So yeah. Be interesting yeah. to see if there's like uh if you're gonna have all three of them in the Ring of Honor face off against Kingston, Shibata, and who the hell knows. The third and person. this also I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go. Like, is all of Blackpool Combat Club just going to go everywhere? Because I would love to see Shibata versus Brian Danielson. <laughs> I would, I would love to see Brian Danielson versus anybody, really, because he's Brian Danielson. But um, uh, yeah, I'm very curious as to where all of this is going. Um. And yeah, uh, we are we are, we are once again at some point going to do our fantasy booking for Forbidden Door. Um, probably like a month out if there isn't any matches planned. Um, by then. Yeah. Um. But selfishly, I, I just want to see Shibata face all of these people. <laughs> Considering the yeah, considering the life uh, threatening uh, situation he was, he had a few years ago to go from just being you know being at death's door to like at this point in his career is really miraculous. And uh, yeah, it looks like there's a lot of uh, solid things coming out of Ring of Honor. I'm I'm glad there there's this platform because there's such a overinflated AEW roster that not all yeah. these guys can be used. I mean. You can't just keep throwing them on dark and dark elevation where not a lot mm-hmm. of people are going to watch them. So at least you have this secondary outlet for these guys to be on and they can interact with uh, people you bring in from outside. So that's very good. So to uh, sum up, Supercard of Honor 2023, very solid pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. A lot of, you know, great, exciting wrestling and also, you know, a few surprises, a uh, few... Um, confusing conclusions but other than that uh it probably will lead to some yeah. greater things going forward my uh my three favorite matches hands down are the um 
the the TV title match, the pure title match, and the main event. In no particular order, but those those are my three favorites for sure. Yeah, those are the I think all of this pay per view. Those are the most solid matches. I mean, I would add in the ladder match as well, just for the pure chaos of it. Yeah. Um. Any event, that's our review for uh, Super Card of Honor twenty twenty three. Um, Mike, uh, anything you want, you want to plug, or where can people find you? Uh, you could just follow me on Twitter at mikejc two one and um. Yeah, I'm, I'll usually be on there talking about wrestling, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll have more uh, more of this show in the coming weeks, and um, more wrestling to talk about. Yep, and you can find me at the Cantastic on Twitter. Uh, I'll also talk about wrestling and other topics. Um, upcoming pay per views are hap- shows are happening. Main ones, of course, Impact's Rebellion. Taking place in Toronto. I will be there live. I will also be at Forbidden Door. It's also taking place in Toronto. A lot well, of that's lo- not until lo- June. Yeah, but that's not till June. We'll talk about that later. But for now, we're signing off. Uh watch the wrestling you want to watch and not what people are just kind of telling you to watch. And everyone stay safe, stay entertained, and have a good evening.